Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Hello. Welcome back. I hope everyone's joining me today feeling great. I'm feeling pretty good. I got some yoga in this morning, some weightlifting. I went and saw some friends and I am feeling better because last night I was not feeling good about myself at all. I did a lot of gossiping yesterday at work and I felt pretty crappy last night. But I did use a lot of my tools and I'm feeling better today and ready to record this podcast for you all about the best piece of parenting advice I've ever gotten. This piece of parenting advice was really, really unexpected. I was not necessarily looking for it at all. I was looking for something else and I got this piece of advice. So I want to share with that with you at the end. But I'm going to kind of tell a little story about how it all came about. So ever since my son's been born, um, I've been a very, very hands-on mom. I was a stay-at-home mom. I breastfed him for two and a half years, and he and I just really loved that time. And so I've been a really close mom to my son. I've always really, really cared about his well-being maybe a little too much at times, you know, and as going through the divorce and things, it brought me and my son even closer together, I think, than we ever would have been having, um, you know, his dad in the house if that had kept on. We're really close, and over the years, my son has had some behavioral challenges, and I'd say some mental health challenges, mostly mild. There wasn't ever a major, major incident, um, but it was leading up to some major incidents. There were some signs that things were going to get a lot worse if I didn't take action, starting from about the time he was five. His dad and I divorced when he was three. He and I started living alone together when he was three. His dad lives on the other side of the country, so it was mostly just me and my little guy. So when he got to kindergarten, you know, he started, most of the time he's been a great kid, mostly well-behaved, but he had certain times that he'd act out and And um, one time started to scare me in kindergarten and with the divorce and stuff, I was like, okay, I really need him to get into therapy. You know, his dad wasn't into it, didn't think he needed it, but um, I really wholeheartedly believe in therapy and I have been in therapy almost constantly since my divorce and the, the two years before my divorce. And so I really believe in finding a therapist to help me navigate my life. And I wanted that for my son as well. So we went to our healthcare provider back then and I got a therapist and, you know, she was really nice and stuff, but she really didn't 
do much. And because my son's symptoms were very mild, she didn't take it very seriously, in my opinion. Well, she didn't take it very seriously. I think even five years ago, therapy, yeah, has changed even the last five years with COVID. So, you know, we went to her for a while and it was better than nothing. And I'd say even that therapist maybe even helped me a little bit with my parenting um, just to kind of be a good support. Since I didn't have a second parent in the household and my son's dad was not very involved at all with parenting, um, it wasn't like we were deciding things together. I was mostly on my own making a lot of decisions. And the other part of it, too, is during that time, I started to realize the trauma I had experienced in my childhood, and it caused some problems with me and my own parents. So I wasn't really in a space to ask them for help with anything at that time. I didn't really feel like I could trust their parenting style because I wanted to change it. I started realizing I really wanted to break the cycle. And that meant doing things a lot differently than my parents had done them. That first therapist I had for my son wasn't great, even though she was nice. And so we went and it was pretty sporadic. It wasn't very often. There was a, a way for me to shift to having a male therapist for him when he was I think maybe seven. And so we shifted to the male therapist. The therapist was okay, but still I felt like he didn't take me or my son very seriously. He kind of acted like our issues were no big deal. And I always kind of felt this feeling like he blamed me for everything going on or didn't trust me or something. And I was always kind of felt strange going in there, even though my son liked him and everything. So that's why I kept going. But um, back then, my son always wanted me to be in the room with him, too. He didn't want to be alone. So I would take him there. And then, you know, I would let my son speak and things like that. But there was just always this feeling that that therapist just didn't respect me and my parenting for some reason. And I didn't really understand why. And then a while later, I found out that my son's dad had been calling him this therapist, even though my son's dad never met this guy, I guess he was calling him and um, talking about the situation that he really didn't have a lot of knowledge about since I was the one there with our son every day. So then I realized why I felt that way. It's like the therapy had kind of been tainted by my son's dad who had interjected his thoughts and feelings and he's a really smooth talker you know he can he's very smart he can come across as knowledgeable and so it really felt like this therapist was like on his side which it just didn't feel right so eventually I just felt like this isn't working for me I can't get anywhere in therapy if I'm asking for help and then the therapist is listening to a parent that's not even there and, you know, saying maybe things that I'm over-exaggerating or whatever it is. I don't know what he said, but that's what it seemed like was happening because it just didn't sum up. So anyway, after that, there were some other things going on with my son and I was like, gosh, he really needs like a trauma-informed therapist that will understand what 
I've been through and what he's been through with his dad being very far away and not really seeing him very often or even talking to him that consistently. There wasn't a consistent plan back then. With COVID and everything, you know, I'm sure it exacerbated things. So I think in 2021, I decided to pay out of my own pocket and go find a therapist for my son that was trauma-informed and would be willing to listen to me and that kind of thing. So I went out. Um, it was kind of hard for me to find someone. I felt like back then, I think I did a search online. I found someone kind of close by. It felt to me like there weren't that many child therapists. I called a couple people and they didn't seem like they were willing or able to help. Anyway, I found this lady, was, you know, 30 miles away or something. And I decided to book an appointment with her, just her and me. I wanted to go in first because I wanted to get the feeling of, is this person going to understand me? Is this person going to take me seriously? So I went into her and um, she had this really cool house and she had chickens and stuff outside. And um, we talked for an hour. You know, I, I spent money for the therapy session, but it was just me and her chatting. And I left there thinking, yeah, she's not the right person. And it just, when I talked about things that had happened between me and my ex, um, it didn't feel to me like she understood what narcissistic abuse was or that she really got the kind of trauma that I had been through and that my son may or may not have experienced due to that fact. So I left there thinking, yeah, this is probably not the right person for him, but this woman did say something that has stayed with me for this last year and a half since I met her that day. I think it's actually been really helpful for me and my son, and she had a really, really good point. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. As we were talking, she was saying things like, you know, I have kids come and we go and feed the chickens and we talk about the chickens and she uses a lot of like real life animal interactions to kind of explain behavior and to talk to kids. And I thought that was cool. And then she said something, though, and she said, you know, Aaron, the thing is, I can have your son come an hour a week or an hour every other week or something, but I won't be able to be there when he's really activated. You're the one that is going to be there when he's activated most of the time. Like you're the parent that's there. So she said, really, it's about building up parents' knowledge of how to help their, their child in situations that could help them the most, more than a therapist. While that possibly wouldn't be good advice for some people, for me, it was extremely good advice because I was already putting so much time and effort into my own therapy. I was already learning skills of how to deal with my emotional regulation and things like that, that I had been working on for years and years at that time. She had a really good point. So, I mean, she gave me a couple tips on how to regulate. And since then, I've kind of thought of that in the back of my head. Like, if the parent is regulated, then it's much more possible that the child will be regulated. 
for me, that does put more responsibility on me, obviously, and not every parent is going to be able to do that. But I am a person that's very interested in psychology and, you know, I love this idea of intergenerational trauma because I know for sure that my patterns are going to be passed down to my son, whether I like him or not, unless I do something to change myself. So I have to be uber sensitive to the feedback that's going on around me about how my behavior is affecting my son and and those around me, but how is my behavior affecting my son? You know, like if I can't be emotionally regulated, then I can't expect my son to be emotionally regulated. So it's it has taken me many years to learn those skills, but it is possible. That's what I like to talk about on this podcast is like how exactly we do that. But I'll say that after, oh yeah, and so last year, I finally did find my son a therapist I liked and it was online, and he did see another therapist this year um, for about four months or so, maybe five months, and he was seeing her like every other week online. And she gave us a couple good tips in the beginning, but then it just wasn't working out. My son ended up not really wanting to talk to her. At the last session that they had together, he would not talk to this therapist at all. He kind of like just... She was a nice person and she was definitely trauma informed, but they just were not ended up not being a good fit. And he was upset about something that day and he would not tell her anything about it. So that was just a couple months ago. After she tried for like 30 minutes to get him to talk to her, she asked him to. At this point, he was doing his own sessions with her and I was elsewhere in the house to give them privacy. And she had him come get me and talk to me alone. And she said, you know, Aaron, this is not working out. I don't think he and I are really vibing. Um, there, I don't think there's anything else that I can do. Like it had been happening like that for a while. And, and I said, yeah, I see that. And, you know, so she decided, well, we decided to part ways or whatever and, and not see each other anymore. But that night after my son wouldn't open up to the therapist, he and I had a very serious chat. And he did open up to me about what had happened that day. And, you know, and he had before too, but this seems like a new level of him being willing to open up uh, because he's, you know, rounding 10 and a half now. And he's starting to have those kind of tween or teenage feelings about things being much more self-aware and things are happening, you know, between friends, between liking girls, you know, all those things are starting to happen to him. For someone to be willing to talk to their parent about that, you have to be a really open-minded parent or I, that's what I believe. And so that's been my goal is to be like, I want to be that parent that my son will come to me and talk to me no matter how ashamed he feels about what happened. Because I know I didn't open up to my parents after about barely anything because I would, I would already feel shame if something happened wrong in my life. Right. And then they would end up making me feel more ashamed and maybe punishing me in different ways, but mostly just um, verbally hurting me with me, them trusting me and things like that, even though I was a very trustworthy child. So I knew that I needed to regulate myself and be able to listen 
and not overreact and to meet him where he's at. So that night I saw that he was needing some support that night. And it turned out that the therapist wasn't able to help him. But who was able to help him? His mom, right? Me. I'm the one that's there all the time when he's having temper tantrums. I've seen him through so many of them with my insistence upon learning and getting better and regulating and learning how to do boundaries with him so that I'm not taken advantage of, I was able to listen and he was able to open up to me. And so it started really the parents ideally would learn the skills. Maybe the parent becomes the therapist and that is the way that our children will become more regulated too. Doesn't that totally make sense? I know it's not for every single parent, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably really open to that idea. And if things are going rough right now with you and your children, like I was in a desperate place for years, for a long time. And I used to tell people, I don't, I'm just not like, I know something's not right here. Like I'm not a good enough parent. And they'd be like, Erin, you're crazy. You're such a good mom. But it was because I was so emotionally immature. And now I've learned those skills. And now I'm more emotionally mature. Most of the time I can regulate my emotions. And when I make mistakes, I go back and I apologize in the right way, you know, without blaming. So there is hope can learn these skills. And I'll just finish off this story with Last night, uh, was I was back to work last week, so I was feeling really stressed out. I got the message that my son was not going to be enrolled in this before and after school care, which if you're a parent, you know how big of a deal that is. Like if I was going to, after school, I could have definitely found someone pretty easily to pick him up and do that. But before school, like I have to leave at like 7, 10 to get to work on time. And that would mean I would have had to hire someone to come from like 7, 10 to 7 to 8.30 to hang out with him and then take him to school, which I'm not saying that I wouldn't be able to find a solution, but that's a really annoying job, right? If somebody just had to get up every morning (laughs) at like 6.30 just for an hour of work. And so I was kind of starting to really worry, you know, like, what am I going to do if this is really the thing he doesn't get in this after school program? Anyway, he got in. So my point was that I was very stressed out. It was a rough week. He ended up getting in the program. So by Friday night, I I finally had heard that he definitely was in. So I was feeling a little bit less stressed. But, um, you know, with the beginning of school as a teacher, it's a very stressful time. And and last night, I was just so tired. My son was also tired. And then when, of course, when kids are tired, they are not their best selves. And my son was definitely not being his best self. He was really pushing me. He wanted more and more time with me, even after bed. After I already had watched a show with him, played cards with him, read a book with him, and said goodnight, he would not go back and go to sleep, and he kept coming in my room, and I said, I can't handle this. You need to go to bed. I'm really tired, and I asked him many times to leave. He wouldn't leave my room. I ended up getting really upset and saying, get out of here right now, and he finally left the room, and then he slammed my door, and that made me really upset because 
it's like, all I'm saying is go to bed. Like, you already know the rule. I had said to him, like, you lost your privileges for TV and screen time tomorrow because of slamming that door. That's not okay. And then, of course, he was, like, really upset. And and I just left him and I, I went and did my own thing because I had to try to emotionally regulate myself, really, at that point. It doesn't feel good to go to bed angry. So I did a bunch of work last night on myself and um, kind of figured out what my stress was, what my anger was, did some journaling, did some prayers, all that kind of stuff. And of course, by morning, I was feeling better and he and I were in his bedroom this morning chatting and I wanted to chat with him about what happened last night and blah, blah, blah. So we have a chat. We kind of like work it out. And my son is like, yeah, I guess I see now like how you were feeling and why you said that and blah, blah, blah. And it was partly my fault and he was taking ownership over it eventually. Like at first he was like, okay, I'm just going to agree with you so we can stop talking. (laughs) I kept pressuring him and no, I want to hear what you think. Okay, I'm just going to agree with you, blah, blah, blah. No, I want to hear what what are you upset about? You know, and I really pushed him and he finally did say his, his, he was just really upset about losing scream time and didn't feel like it was fair that I just took it away um, when it wasn't that big of a deal. And then he's like, but now I realize that it really was a big deal to you and I see why you did that. I'm like, wow, this was a good conversation, right? And then at the end of the conversation, he goes, mom, do therapists make more money than teachers? And I said, um, yeah, probably most of them do. And he goes, you know, you should really be a therapist. You are really good at at it. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah, you're a little better than like, and he, he makes up statistics all the time now. It's so funny to me. Um, and he goes, you're like better at talking than like 95% of people. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. That's such a compliment to me. And I really appreciate it. And, you know, I just left that room smiling from ear to ear in my head, right at myself, because that is what I ended up doing. It's like I have become my son's therapist because I have done such hard work on learning how to control my emotions. I can now show that to him and show him how to control his emotions and set limits and boundaries and and listen to him instead of just wanting him to comply with everything that I say. So I say that is a huge parent win. And maybe you can use that tip as well. You know, like instead of focusing on our kids' behavior, which of course we have to do things in this situation. And, and you know, he and I have made a lot of rules for bedtime. We have a paper that lists exactly what the consequences are and what the rules are for what time the lights need to be out and what time he can't leave his bedroom, etc. Or else he loses I think it's like 15 minutes of screen time for every minute he's late or something like that. So we need those kind of plans too, of course. But if we could all work towards regulating ourselves and becoming so knowledgeable in human behavior that we can help our children when they need need emotional regulation, like that's, I think that's where it's at because our kids can't learn anything that we don't know. 
And that's why sometimes in schools they'll say, like, let's teach these kids, like, emotional regulation tools and let's teach kids these, you know, social-emotional learning skills. And I love that kind of stuff. I'm all for it. But here's the thing is if the teacher doesn't use those skills or model those skills themselves, then there's no way it's ever going to work because that it has to be a give and take and it has to be whatever the teacher is doing is what the student will mimic. And that's the same for parenting, right? Like that's what I learned as a kid was how to put away my emotions and not show my emotions and all that kind of stuff. So All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that and let me know what you think. Give me a little message on Instagram or give me a five-star rating and review the podcast. I would really appreciate that. I don't think I've had any reviews yet for Grace Plus Boundaries. And so please um, give me a review. I'm thanking you here from my home. Bye-bye. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.